Hi, and welcome to the Resilience Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two extra special guests, one of whom I've been connected with for a very long time. It's Don McKee and Ian Hutchinson Hutch, who I worked with many, many years ago at Life by Design. Between them, they have been widely recognized for their work in promoting health education, particularly through their initiative called CPR Friendly. And the story that they share is one of resilience. It's one of growth. And it's one of purposeful work. I'm delighted to welcome Don and Ian to the Resilience Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you both here today. Thanks for having us, yeah. Brad. It's good to see you. Yeah, It is good to see you. Now, I thought a good place for our audience is, to start is a little bit about you and your, your story. Obviously, I've been involved in some, in some capacity with you for a long time, uh, 20 years, more, actually. Yeah, I was just saying to Donnie before we got online, it was probably about 20 years, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. actually, actually, 22 years. So, oh, yeah, more than you half of my life. You, you <laughs> must have been three. You must have been three when we first met. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was, I was a toddler. Yeah. He has the same problem remembering how long he's been with his, his, his real partner too. So, uh, it's okay, don't, don't take offense. It's fine, it's fine. So, uh, yeah, for, for everyone out there, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, let's uh, just just so we know th- this is Don, uh, who who I now have to call uh, my uh, my hero, and uh, this is Hutch, who we refer to as the survivor S- slave, is what it, what it referred to by him. <laughs> but um, look, it all started. Uh, we've known each other for many years. We've been really good mates. Yeah, twenty two years. Some twenty three. Twenty three. You want to pip pip Brad? But um, uh, about. A few years ago now, um, we were out for our normal Tuesday morning bike ride and then um, I just had a freak cardiac arrest, electrical issue of the heart, um, and uh, Donnie jumped in, a um, couple of bystanders, uh, started CPR, rang triple O. Um, I got to hospital. I was there for a um, – it, it put into an induced coma, actually, um, overnight, which is pretty scary for my partner, Katie, and also – Donnie, and uh, I was in hospital for two weeks. At the end of those two weeks, um, they'd worked out to some degree what it, what had actually happened because um, I was a fit, healthy guy. Mm-hmm. And I've now got an internal defibrillator here in my chest, which if it ever happens again, it goes off. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty freaky, um, more so probably for first responders and Donnie, who did an amazing job yeah. jumping in. And we, we can't gloss over the fact that, that he was actually uh, clinically dead uh, for 19 mm-hmm. minutes which is quite quite a long time. Um, you know, I think a lot of luck uh, played in in the great outcome. Um, I don't know if you know this, unfortunately only about 9% of people who have a sudden cardiac arrest uh, live to talk about it. So uh, very happy that, that Hutch is uh, part of that 9% club. I'm pretty chuffed as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, and look, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't know that we now know. You know, like yeah. in Australia, 25,000 people die of a cardiac arrest every year. Mm. It's about 70 every single day. Um, you yeah. know, so 
it's it's quite amazing. And a sudden cardiac arrest is is very different from a heart attack. They sometimes get lumped into the same area. Heart mm. attack is a, a plumbing issue, mm. you know, overweight, clogged arteries, dietary, not exercising. I just returned from Europe, cycling through Europe for a month. Um, so I was a fit, healthy guy. And a, and a cardiac arrest is an electrical issue of the heart, which can happen mm. to anyone, the fittest people around. So um, it's, you know, what we learn is it's really important to be refreshed with CPR skills mm. and know how to use a defibrillator. So we were just very lucky that an ambulance arrived within about 10 minutes with a defibrillator and was able to restart, reboot my heart. Um, so, yeah, very lucky to be here. Yeah, the, the other thing we learned is that, unfortunately, uh, and, and I can say this from experience after after having been part of this um, situation, is that, unfortunately, 70% uh, of people in these life uh, emergencies don't feel confident they don't know what to do uh and that has uh, greatly motivated us to try and uh, pay it forward a bit and try and upskill as many people as we can on on cpr skills yeah. and saving lives now these days i do look at donny a little bit differently because uh he uh he gave me the kiss of life and gave me mouth to mouth luckily i was what they call clinically dead uh so i don't remember any of that but i did wake up in the uh, in the next day come out of hospital and we're from a coma with quite a bit of ashtray. Yeah, yeah. My, my only regret is I didn't have some mints on hand because uh, someone did, had but not brushed their teeth. Look, his, his, his wife, Robbie, assures me he's a very good kisser. Because um, not in a million years did we think that this would ever happen to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, it's pretty surreal listening to the ambulance come to your own yeah. emergency situation when you're clinically dead, so... Luckily, today, today I was able to hold that together. Yeah, oh, yeah. you're laughing. Well, it is. Uh, it's. Uh, I think it's a nervous reaction because it's so interesting. Every time I hear that, mm -hmm. uh, I have a different uh, feeling or reaction to it. Just that time, it, it is a bit weird hearing the ambulance turn yeah. up. Yeah, really. Um, Especially when you know what the percentages are like. I mean, we've we've had the lucky. Uh, situation of meeting all uh, ambulance res first responders, yeah, the ones even, safety. even the triple O operator there, you know, and they they said, look, after ten minutes, sometimes the the numbers aren't even as high as nine percent. So we're really very grateful yeah. and very lucky to be here. Mm. Yeah, and and Donny, had you practiced CPR before that day? See, that was the that was the funny thing, Brad. Um, funny. No, no. See? That was the uh, irony of it. Um, I hadn't done any CPR training for close on 25 to 30 years okay. uh, when, when I was a teenager. And at the time when the triple O, the emergency uh, operator is giving me instructions, I'm actually questioning what, you know, what she's saying, you know, um, how many compressions to breath and stuff like that um, because my recollection was... Um, very different to what I'd learned a very long time ago. Thankfully, the triple O operators are so well trained, uh, and they just talk you through everything. They give you so much confidence in, in what is an incredibly stressful situation. And obviously, uh, it was a pretty good outcome, uh, yeah. in, in this case. Yeah. Well, well, the, and the interesting thing for the triple O operator, uh, Donna, who we, who we met, mm. uh, quite a, quite a while after, because it's hard to track her down, but, um, that was her first, CPR, uh, she was getting assessed on that call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, really? that was the, that was, yeah, that was the first time she'd had a cardiac arrest, um, uh, call. That yeah. is, yeah. 
Crazy. So she's not, yeah. she'll remember that forever, as well as the fact that you actually took the time to reach out and, yeah, and connect. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about the process. So you wake up in hospital, you start yeah. to come to terms with what has happened. Well, uh, no, no, well, what, what happens is you actually, because of the, some oxygenation starvation, and, and I was very lucky that CPR actually and the breaths keep oxygenated blood to the brain. So if that doesn't happen, you know, once, once, you know, six, seven minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes goes, mm. if that doesn't happen, then you can start to get brain damage. So they weren't sure whether I had any brain damage or not. When he, when he first uh, came to back to consciousness, um, he was on a, about a, a 20 to 30 second loop. He, he could not remember anything uh really oh, that happened and to this yeah. day you can't remember what about that i owe three you ten thousand dollars <laughs> that's right yeah uh you yeah. do and, uh, and i'm yeah. calling that yeah, in yeah, soon yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> surprising all of the things the debts you had uh once you woke it up but now you were on a you were on a, a loop a goldfish gold, a goldfish memory. loop yeah of yeah, about really. about 30 seconds that eventually got to about two minutes three minutes uh, uh, over a period. but you can't remember what I, about two two or three days three days probably you know mm. people came to visit me I was very lucky to have people come and um, uh, some of them I can't remember them even being there. So, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he would he he would come into one of his loops and realise I'm there and then introduced me to his parents. Now, he'd done it 20 times already mm. over the last hour. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was uh, quite – eventually became quite comical yeah, yeah, for us. Yeah. We just started setting him up. I um, mean, so. when you're in a coma, they put you on an ice bed, so they shut down all the peripheral um, – in parts of your body because they're trying to just get blood flow to your brain and, and your heart, the mm. most essential items. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird coming out of that. And I, I was in hospital, as I said, for two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, interesting. And that they did a lot of, you know, memory tests and assessments and things like that. And I was very lucky, uh, must have got good, good CPR. Good CPR, yeah. Yeah, and especially good mouth-to-mouth. <laughs> I've got big lungs, big lungs to fill yours with it. You have beautiful, soft lips. <laughs> if that happened today, you would be on TikTok for sure. That would be uh, – <laughs> <laughs> it would have gone viral. Uh, okay, so once you're, you started to regain memory and then came to terms or realised what had happened, yeah. what, was, what were the steps leading to the inception of CPR Friendly, which is the logo we see in the background? Yeah, well, we basically uh, had a chat because Donnie and I hadn't done CPR training for 25, 30 years and went, wow, yeah. uh, we were lucky to get away with that. Luck, um, luck was the first thing I think, how lucky are we, how lucky are we yeah. that, that we've actually, uh, that you have survived the situation. So we probably wanted to look at how can we reduce luck uh, and get a bit more trained up and aware for ourselves. Um, we started looking on like YouTube videos, uh, CPR certification. We got together and actually, the Donny hosted a, a CPR certification event. Uh, a barbecue, at, at barbecue, your family home barbecue, mm -hmm. and we got about thirty or thirty-five people, friends and family, and got a trainer in, and we all got certified. Mm. So um, we thought that was really important. But the, the the challenge is that there's this big gap between YouTube videos and certification and yeah. most people don't have the time or money 
or inclination to actually go and invest three hours in CPR training. It's only if there's a personally personally relevant situation like this, family and mm -hmm. friends, um, or you have to for um, you know. Um, Compliance, you know, a, a personal exactly. trainer has to get CPR or physio or, or teachers or whatever it might be. For your job, you need it for your yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this big gap in the middle. And we thought, hey, we've known each other, you know, uh, Donnie and I have been on the speaking and training circuit. Donnie's a, you know, M comedy MC. We're best mates. So we're, we're in a unique situation where he's my hero mm -hmm. and I'm his slave survivor. <laughs> and so we can tell the story from both sides and most yes. CPR training is actually quite boring. Yeah. So we try and make it fun and, and a bit more entertaining. So, you know, people learn better when they're, when they're having a good time and it's fun and they're laughing. Mm -hmm. So we, we basically put together a, a program and we, we put, you know, some, some entertaining videos. You can go onto cprfriendly.org and you can do a five second CPR training yeah. and people go, well, well, how, how's that possible? Well, yeah, Mikey and, the bikey will explain. Go it. and find out. Yeah. You have 15 second training, a three minute training, a 10 minute training, or you can do a 40 minute webinar where we go through the, the whole story and we take them through the doctor's ABCD of CPR. So, mm. you know, for us, it, it's actually created this opportunity where, you know, we've slightly modified our lives to some degree where we're now able to to pay it forward, as Donnie mentioned, and do something that's giving us a lot more purpose and meaning and trying to reduce the statistics of what could have happened to me. And, and yes. basically 70, 70 people in Australia per day are organising a wedding for someone who's had a cardiac arrest and not survived that they didn't know you, they you were going to be organised. A funeral. What did I say? A wedding. You said a wedding. Yeah. Well, probably okay. there's a lot I think, of weddings. I think that I can, you can just see that the, the lack of oxygen uh, that you've experienced <laughs> does still filter through occasionally. Um, it's because he didn't do quite the best quality. How CPR. many ribs were broken? Yeah, three ribs. Three ribs broke were broken. Three of my in, ribs in doing CPR, CPR, which is a good wow. sign. There's 70, 70 people. 70 people, people today will be organising a funeral, a funeral for someone who's yeah. had a sudden cardiac arrest that they didn't know was 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 on the cards. So, you know, we're just trying to change those statistics and it's giving us a lot more purpose and meaning to be able to do that and mm. pay it forward and hopefully help. Yeah, save my because life. We, we've, we've been to, we've been doing a lot more training and a lot more awareness, been lots to cardiologist conferences and stuff like that. Still to this day, uh, one of the biggest, um, tools or things that can be done to, uh, change the effect of this, you know, you know, 90% of people dying from sudden cardiac arrest is that uh, is still in good CPR, quick responsiveness uh, in those emergency situations by, by bystanders um, mm. to try and just keep the heart going. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that you broke it down into bite-sized chunks, you know, micro learning. If you've only got a minute, this is what you should do. And, and I guess, taking you all the way through to the barbecues and events where you learn in depth. Yeah. I think yeah. I, for someone like myself, it's, it, I would go for the one minute version, but at least you're more prepared than you would have been otherwise. That's well, well, that's it. And, and, and people tend to go through the hierarchy. I mean, the five second training is almost got people curious. Uh, and what is the five second training? Mm -hmm. Just ring triple O on your phone and yeah. they will coach you through the process. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's all you need to remember. Yeah. They will coach you through. 
they tell you the rate of compressions. They tell you where where to press. They say where to get a defibrillator if there isn't one handy. You know, yeah. so yeah. they are your safeguard. Yeah, yeah. so for sure. we we all we, no matter where I go these days, and Donnie's the same. We always take our phone because that is the number one emergency device. Uh, you know, number two would be a defibrillator, but that's not, not always practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And speed is important obviously so a lot of people when you're in a situation like that they freeze they oh, panic what what yeah. do i do the I key is i think one of the the keys that you're giving people is the ability to recognize that they can just do something don't wait don't go yeah. into that yeah. fight yeah. flight freeze state yeah unfortunately in these situations um every 60 seconds of inaction actually reduces survivability by 10%. So, you know, if you're not getting, giving good effective CPR mm -hmm. within about the first three minutes, the chances of a good outcome are just reducing at such a rapid rate. Mm. Um, that's why the knowledge you need, you need to be able to react quickly and just start, you know, giving CPR. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you react quickly, start giving CPR and make that call rather than, you know, I'll do the call and wait there, you know, at least that you, you're doing something. Well, the call, if they're not breathing and not responsive, it's compressions, Yes. you know, but the first thing is ring, ring emergency yeah. services, ring triple O, yeah. they'll quickly di diagnose it for you. You've got someone there with you virtually. So putting your phone on speakerphone, ringing triple O is the way to go or 911 <clears> if it's in America <throat> or whatever it might be around <clears> the world. But that's the number one step. Um, and then, you know, they answer pretty straight away and then they'll take you through the process. It's good having a support person there who knows what they're doing because mm -hmm. in the, in, in the panic of the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, you miss basic things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's basically ring triple O, start cardiac compressions and get a defibrillator yeah. on them as soon as you can. Or, or call push shock. As we, as it's broken down to the, in its most simplest form. I yep. love that. Called push mm. shock. Shock. Yeah. Mm. That's all you got to remember. Okay. Good. And so moving on from the event itself, uh, a lot of people would experience a level of trauma and they would ask, why me? And so forth. Ian, it seems like you've um, turned that around into something really positive. Yeah, well, Donnie's probably a lot of people say, "Oh, hasn't this changed your life?" And we, uh, yeah, we, we, we've of course know. come in contact with a lot of other uh, sudden cardiac arrest survivors, and yes, uh, I would say on the whole, you see a lot of them drastically change their lives in in many ways, um, both mentally and physically in their routines. The thing I'd say about Hutch, and I think is one of the key things to his recovery, is he was always living. Uh, if I can coin one of your your phrases, a life by design um, in a lot of ways. You, you thought a lot. So you didn't, you were living sort of your best life beforehand and then this happened and really you just went straight back into those routines, which is good. Um, and so I think that was a big part of how quickly and how well your recovery and your your whole attitude towards it. Well, it probably um, does, as Brad knows, it probably does help if you've got a business and a consultancy called Life by Design. 
and and really it's all about trying to get people to live their best lives. But yeah, but you yeah. Know, I mean, besides that, the, the fact is that you know that's true. You can teach that and train that hutch, but you are living proof mm-hmm. uh, of living those beliefs, goals, yeah, um, uh, and mantras uh, in your life. So well, I, I, I think, as you said, we we have met you know there's a few people who have been cardiac arrest survivors and you know, only nine percent survive so they're not they're not a dime a dozen no um but some do walk on eggshells some have got yeah. you know defibrillators built in yeah, into the chest as well and they're just very cautious about live their whole life like they're wrapped in cotton wool yeah. which is which is no way to live really mm. um but it's it's understandable i mean you know we talk about post-traumatic stress i don't think I, well although listening to the triple o call and hearing the ambulance arrive does trigger me quite often mm. um and i was starting to get emotional listening to it uh, just a few minutes ago but um you know there's post-traumatic stress and i try and focus on post-traumatic growth what what can we what can we do now moving forward that's going to be bigger and better and part of it for us has been cpr friendly has been a really useful cause for us to uh, invest you know uh, a fair bit of our time in um just being grateful that, that actually i am here and making sure you know it's been yeah. four and a half years now and is, have i invested have i made my last four and a half years you know useful and in line with who i am and my interests and values and mm-hmm. and 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 skills that i most love using all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. have i invested enough time in family and friends and making sure i'm focusing on that and my daughter so all that sort of stuff is just a, a nice way of refocusing on back back on what is important and for me that's growth that's not stress mm-hmm. um sure i've got to manage my my heart health um and you know this year i'm really focusing on now after six six hours of heart surgery about three months ago um on rebuilding my health and fitness back up to um where it was post incident but um you know that's they're, they're all practical things that i can control myself and i'm a big believer of you know clarity creates control if i know what i'm trying to do that's going to be effective well i feel more in control rather than being helpless and helplessness uh is, is something that gets in a lot of people's ways i think mm. for living their best life yeah yeah for me um the it was like hutcher said he was he was out to it so he he wasn't really uh experiencing in that we moment. Had, not, we had, not taking anything away from no, but we had two happened. very different experiences yeah yeah yeah, yeah. mine yeah. was uh mine was pretty traumatic uh especially for the first for the first 24 hours after mm. it happened uh it was very hard you know all the doubts that come back into your mind of uh, as a first responder in the situation of you know did i do it well enough have i made a difference is there more i could have done all of those sorts of doubts, fears, worries, you know, pretty much consumed me yeah. um, for, for till till it was till you'd come out of the coma and um, and started to at least so show your normal signs of life, <laughs> even if you were looping every twenty seconds. That was a pretty good, we, uh, which was quite interesting because because uh, my sense of humour, I built up from what I yeah yeah yeah, it came to the started floor. to come through very quickly, and people go, oh, interesting. right, good touches back. Yeah, 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 yeah. but but Donnie had the hardest job because you know he's the one who had to go and talk to Katie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it was uh, my partner. Yeah, it mm. was. Uh, it was a. 
anyone who's been in that situation, as you can imagine, uh, very stressful, but uh, I suppose the most important thing is just trying to keep a level head yes. and think what next. Um, and hey, I still put it down to, uh, to a lot of, a lot of things were in, uh, happened, just happened to be in our favor. Um, the fact, I think that we'd been exercising on the bike. So Hutch's blood was incredibly oxygenated. Yeah. Probably as much as it could be at that time. Yeah. So maybe that sustained him. Tim, one of the other bystanders that stopped to help us, um, he'd actually just done uh, a CPR refresher course, not more than six months. So he felt pretty confident jumping in straight away, which is great. The other two ladies, Caroline and Anne, who had their phone. So there were lots of things uh, in our favour. The fact that we weren't very far at all from an ambulance station. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, the response time uh, in most of these emergency situations is um, seven to seven to ten minutes. Which, if well, someone, it's, it's it, getting worse and worse. It's getting time. worse and worse. Yeah. 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 So, so if if people are not there on the <clears> ground, first responders starting to uh, give um, CPR. You know, even you can't wait for the ambulance. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'll just I'll wait for the ambulance. That's not an option. There really is not an option. You need to feel confident enough to jump in. And, and luckily, um, yeah, everything lined up. And, and the mantra really is any attempt is better than no attempt. So oh, yes. just to jump in, I mean, we, one of our phrases is you can't kill a dead person. Someone's had a cardiac arrest. They're going to, they're dead anyway. Yes. Right? Yeah. I was clinically dead for 19 minutes. So jumping in and doing compressions, yeah. you know, if they're not dead, they'll go, Oh, what are you doing? Get away. You know, and I go, great. They're yeah. alive. You know, exactly. but if they're not oxygenated blood to the brain. A cardiac arrest is the worst thing that can happen to you apart from you be, you know, in a huge car accident and, and your arms get chopped off yeah. and you are losing blood within a matter of minutes. And mm -hmm. yeah. But even in those situations, they deal with, they say, if you're not breathing, that's still the most important thing, regardless of, of severe wounds and stuff like this. Yeah. Still, and what it, the more people die from cardiac arrest than nearly all every, the cancers combined. Every cancer, any other ailment you can imagine. Yeah. 25,000. 25,000 a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huge numbers. So Donnie had, Donnie did have the hardest job, hardest job to go and tell Katie what had happened. You know, gee, yeah. was I even going to survive? Um, and then, uh, getting to the hospital and seeing me in a coma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not too. And and then going, gee, have I done it properly? Have I done enough? Yeah. You know, have I broken enough ribs? Mm -hmm. um, if you well, do. I just I, we, we must clarify that it wasn't me, the paramedic who looked like he was a front rower in a football team. <laughs> yeah. He was he was jumping on Hutch's chest like I could not. I realized, ah, oh, that's the way to do proper compressions. <laughs> uh, you're trying to push your hands virtually through to the ground. Yeah. Um, so look, and, and and look, breaking ribs actually it happens forty percent of the time. So it's showing that you are going hard enough and deep enough yes. so it's actually a good sign but i i found it hard to laugh for about six months after yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. well and and that's something i wanted to touch on so how important is humor and comedy in recovery and growth after something like this happens well i think i think for us hugely important because yeah. uh you know uh, it, it creates vitality and energy mm -hmm. in life. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know of any proven study that says uh, fun and laughter in life is is not a good thing. So, um, and, and and from from all of our background of what we've done in in speaking, facilitating, we know uh, humour and comedy is one of the best ways to engage people when you want them to learn something. Yes, uh, and we're we're in the unique position that we can, mm -hmm. of course. 
uh, poke, poke light, have fun, a, a very light attitude towards it and have a bit of fun with it. Whereas, you know, anyone else on the outside who hasn't been in that experience probably can't. And because yeah. we've probably been to about 15 CPR training sessions ourselves, and they're pretty serious and pretty earnest. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good uh, uh, antidote for people yeah. not wanting to and, do too much CPR training because it's, you know, yeah. but we try and make it fun. And we don't, at, at, at any point, we are, you know, we are not taking away the seriousness of of the training yeah. that, that, that anyone's getting or of the huge event that, that happened to Hutch, you know, the seriousness of, of you know, yeah. having this yeah. happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and humor is very important. Humor is important. And, and I, I'm sure that has contributed to the ripple effect of the work that you've done because it's fresh and it's light and it's serious, but it's also incredibly practical. That's, that's how well, I Well, and hopefully a bit unique because, yeah. yeah, as we said, we're in a, we're in a unique position that we can take the piss out of each other. Mm. Um, but still get the point across. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true for for any job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taking yourself lightly is important. Yeah, yeah. Not what you do, what you take, what you do, you do seriously, but take yourself lightly. Yeah, mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Now, uh, having run successful businesses and transitioned into uh, a not for profit, what do you find are some of the rewarding aspects of you know change, or is it pretty much the same? It's just uh, a different objective. Yeah, well, I, I personally think it's just the same, but a different objective. Um, you know, uh, I guess a different product. Life, we're in the life-saving business now. We're we're in the the the, the family happiness business because mm. you know we yeah. hopefully it's there's a small ripple effect that's keeping more people alive these days, and families can have more love and and laughter together and joy together so mm. um i don't know any other business out there not that it's a business it's more a cause or a purpose for us yeah. uh, that has has a higher sense of of being than that so um it's uh, it's pretty good fun and yeah. we we get to hang out a bit more and uh we get to go and do a few few gigs together which is all uh, good fun and we have a, have a, have a laugh doing it i mean we never we we, we will never know if um when we're training, you know, when we're training people and stuff like that, you know, has this contributed to them saving a life? It, it, it's our absolute hope, and we know that that uh, it's definitely contributing in the right direction. I mean, for I don't know about you, Hutch, it's always good. You know, it feels great after we've done a training or a presentation when people come up to you and they you can see that they're asking some very specific questions because they're so thinking about it, uh, imagining themselves in that situation, which. I think it's so important and a bit of a, a tick of, okay, they're getting it, as opposed to when we've done first aid training, you know, a lot of time it's, oh, great, it's over, let's get out of here, uh, sort of thing that, that people are really uptaking this knowledge maybe. And I like to think that it's because of the way we're presenting it. Yeah, and I also think that a lot of people have flipped from, uh, gee, what happened? What would happen if my husband Lionel had a cardiac arrest? I wouldn't know what to do. Now I feel like I've got the skills and confidence to do that. So I think we're flipping people, and you can see the light bulbs turn on. We're flipping them from helplessness to hope, because um, there are some tangible things that they can now do. Ring triple O. You know, we've, we've even, as far as compressions go, training, uh, we've done a couple of groups where there's, there's some older ladies. Yeah, over close, 90. Yeah, yeah. yeah 90 and they go, well, how do I do the compressions? Well, you actually hold into a chair and you, 
you actually can give them compressions with your heel um, and your body oh, weight, yeah. any yeah. attempts better than no attempt. And they go, oh, yeah, great, that makes sense because I'm not strong enough to do it the normal way. Well, that's, there's, there's different ways. And if you continue to take the mantra that any attempt's better than no attempt, mm-hmm. then you can't go wrong. Mm. And the the tools, the techniques that people are learning are applicable both to electrical issues as well as cardiovascular disease. Well, it's the same uh, treatment yeah, steps. steps. Yeah. yeah, it's the same, same thing. Same steps. It, it, yeah. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter how they got to not breathing or not responsive. Yes, uh, the solution is the same. Yeah. If they're not breathing and they're not responsive, then cardiac compressions to the to the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and and defibrillator. And the, the thing about the, there's a lot of myths about defibrillators because people have seen too many medical TV shows from the 80s and they go, oh, the big scary pads, you know, <laughs> yeah, clear, they're going to be, you know, yeah. here's, here's, a, here's a brand it's, on a horse, you, you know. Look at how many people are scared. Yeah, they, yeah, they are normally scared. They're scared of it. And, and we say if you can make a cup of tea, you can use a defibrillator. Yes. It's the only thing that's going to a defibrillator is the only thing that is going to reboot, restart the heart mm-hmm. after a cardiac arrest. It's an electrical issue. Yes. If they're not breathing, they're not responsive. You whack the pads on as quickly as possible, and the modern day defibs, all of them, you press the button and you do whatever the hell it tells you to do. Yeah. And it will tell you to ring triple O. It will tell you to put the pads on where, and it will go, hey, we're currently monitoring their heart and now's the time to press the button to zap them. Stand yeah. clear. Yeah. Bang. Mm, okay. And then it'll, it'll go it'll, through it'll the It'll talk clip. you through your 30 compressions to two breaths, it'll, all of that stuff. It'll give you the pacing of compressions. Yeah. So defibs are not these scary things. They, you can't accidentally shock someone because yeah. if I put one on Donnie right now, mm-hmm. he's got a normal heart rate, it will pick that up. It's it only when work. they don't don't have That's a normal right. heart rate. It won't let you shock. The yeah. machine won't shock a normal heart. Rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't go wrong with them. Yeah. Mm, okay. So perhaps being the resilience podcast, and you have amazing an amazing story of resilience, both in terms of what happened for both of you, and how you responded. I think rather than reacted to 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 the event. But what are some tools, practical tools that have worked for both of you in terms of maintaining that growth mindset and that positivity despite life's challenges? Look, I, I think uh, the small things, and we hear it time and again, but it's just about being grateful. Um, so grateful that that I'm here, you know, grateful that I look out my window and I can see, you know, a beautiful sunny day, grateful that I'm, that I'm around to see my daughter grow up, grateful. It's just mm. the, the, all the little things. Grateful that I'm actually feeling a bit stronger and I can go back to the gym or I can go start exercise. So grateful gr- that you can come and mow my lawn more often. And uh, wash his car. Pay, pay me back a bit. Yeah. And so all that's that sort the of slavery. <laughs> yeah, grateful that he's allowing me to pay back his $10,000, $100 a week, um, apparently. I don't remember that, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, just the, the little things is, is the gratitude mm, principle. Um, yeah. Bigger things would be like, finding a higher sense of purpose that's beyond just you yeah. and that's probably where CPR friendly comes in. I mean, we're trying to get more defibrillators out into the public domain. We're trying to get more people trained up in the community to help save lives so that they're better skilled than we were when this happened to us. You know, it's those sort of things. I think it's also just focusing on um, uh, getting, getting me to refocus back on what's important, family, health, mm-hmm. you know, friends having a purpose in the work that you do, those simple things. So yeah. I would say I would say those 
Those are probably yeah, the keys for I, me. I echo that too, uh, Hutch, that uh, my resilience has expanded from this um, experience. Uh, paying it forward, gratitude. Um, you can't help but feel grateful um, for so many things after some of this. I think the thing too is I was just thinking then is that the importance of a moment um, and being able to focus in a moment, maybe in lots of areas of our lives, we could be far more resilient if we had the ability to focus in a moment. Um, not that I would want that, but I think I focused in that moment and it served me very well. But um, And I feel far more resilient for it and confidence and all of that. Sort so of are stuff. you getting towards mindfulness? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or just being in the present moment more? Um, yeah, being present more. Being mm. present more, mm. like remembering to be present. Mm. I think it's a, a key to resilience because mm. it's so easy to be in the past and in the future and on all of those stuff, yeah. but um, being in the moment, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that presence is important. I mean, even just at a very practical level, of course, it helps us to be more aware of what's happening in our thought patterns and so forth. But if you think about a lot of people, you wander around and no criticism. I'm one of them sometimes. But how many people haven't made it because everyone's on their phones? It's just staring at a screen. Don't even notice that someone is struggling. Uh, just yeah. walk on by. Mm. So there's definitely a case for more presence and focus mm. alternating yeah. between the two, I think, in this busy, yeah. busy world. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, – Perhaps, Hutch, you could share a little bit about Life by Design. I'm sure people are intrigued to hear what's that all about. And that's where our story began, really. Yeah, well, we, we probably met uh, 22 years ago. A year uh, after I'm in. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, I... Um, uh, I've always been fascinated with how we live our own lives mm -hmm. and uh, studied psychology and, and was really interested in career development, lifestyle planning and that whole area. So, yeah, Life by Design was started, yeah, probably 25 years ago and it's really all about just trying to help people get more clarity about what do they want in their work, what do they want in their life, what do they want in their finances and how can we get those things and get the balance between all three happening I think we, we get on this treadmill in life sometimes and we, we're taught, you know, just finish school and then, then we'll, parents will be happy and then it's, oh, go and go to uni and we'll be happy. Oh, wait just a sec, go and get a good job and then it's get married, have kids, white picket fence, you know, and there's so many expectations put on us about how we should live our life, but we're all individuals. And if we can actually identify what makes us uniquely different, what are our top interests, skills, values, you know, personality traits and live our own life, so a life by design rather than life by default, I think we'll all be a lot happier if we have that clarity and that we've got a plan to move forward. And if we've got a plan, you know, the clarity of that plan really gives us more empowerment and more control in our life. So, um, yeah, it's just about getting clear about what you want, not worrying about what others want for you and living that, that pathway authentically as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that, like I said earlier, sorry, Brad, is that yeah. that shows you, I think, how well he handled the curveball that life threw at him and on yes. the other side of that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Uh, I'm interested in, for, from both of you, how important is physical well-being, both obviously before but now? I mean, I, I know personally that uh, Hutch, you've always been really active. You've always done a lot of sports and – uh, and develop those habits. I, I think habits are really important because they're something that you can rely on. Um, how important is the physical well-being aspect for both of you? 
Well, um, we're, we're of the same mind there. I mean, I've been had a very active um, physical exercising routine, uh, yeah, very regular for at least the last 25 years. Being lucky enough to live on the uh, northern beaches of Sydney, I make great use of the beach three mornings a week with a group of mates and mm-hmm. exercise. And Hutch, Hutch and I uh, regularly um, rode around the lake. We haven't done that for a couple of months now so, since your surgery, but hopefully, um, we'll hopefully back. you'll get a pass. Yeah, uh, you'll be allowed to go for a ride again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be fantastic. But it, very important. It, it's interesting because I just went to uh, uh, Queensland on the weekend and in the flight up there I, I took a bunch of Life by Design tools and reevaluated and reassessed things moving mm. forward for the next year. And, um, uh, yeah, look, health is number one priority for me. Um, and so then breaking that down, uh, you know, there are three strategies for me under that, of which rebuilding my confidence around my heart health is one of them. Yeah. Um, I've got obsessed by pickleball now. So doing a lot of, a lot of that. I couldn't talk to you without mentioning pickleball. I was going to uh, mention but, it if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. All right, I'll leave. Uh, <laughs> fastest growing sport in America. Um, oh, here we go. Look, number two priority for me is love relationship. That includes my beautiful partner, Katie, and my daughter, uh, Sierra. And then number three is actually purposeful work. So, and, and part of what we're doing together uh, is, is helps, you know, maximize that purposeful work for us. Um, and for for me, so again, just nice to get clear on what the priorities are, and what are three strategies that I can do this year to make sure I'm maximising each of those three priorities. Yeah, health, connection, and purposeful work. Yeah, if that's that, it. That's your that's your language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I, and I, I and quite it. frankly, they haven't changed for me. Uh, you know, in in probably twenty years. Um, but but the strategies underneath each of those have, yeah. Mm, it's a yeah. it's a really inspiring story, and I really love what you've done with CPR Friendly. And thank you also, Hutch, for being a, a, a mentor along my journey. It was very important uh, along the way. And well, I think you're now my mentor. Am um, I? <laughs> so we, I know we check in quite often, and yes. uh, usually it's uh, it's a one way street. Me asking you things, so uh, uh, I, appreciate our relationship. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. So that's a really inspiring story. I know the audience will appreciate it. Uh, who inspires both of you? And I know it's a question out of the blue. If you, if you, what comes to mind? Look, I'm gonna. Uh, this is this might sound weird, but. Um, um, my future—it might sound egotistical, but my future self inspires me. I love that. Um, so if I can have a clear vision of what that person looks like, and I try and grow into that, then that inspires me. Yeah. Um, who inspires? Lots of people inspire me. I, I, I'm, I, you know, from entertainment and all that sort of stuff. So there's lots of people who inspire me. Um, I, I'm never not. Uh, not blowing too much smoke up him here, but I'm never not uh, amazed at uh, his consistency, his consistency after yeah. what he's been through. And, you know, there, there are subsequent challenges with something that's happened, but, yeah, uh, he, is, he is the living embodiment of a life by design, and um, that is pretty inspiring. Yeah. Look, and I'm, I'm uh, very proud to be uh his slave because uh, he is there's not many people on the planet that i know that if you can have a cardiac arrest i'm going to bet my house on him 
Yes. <laughs> well, well, that, yeah. <laughs> well, we are just trying. It's really all about our little internal competition we've got of saving <laughs> lives. But currently, currently, I don't know if we can do this. Currently, the score is um, me one, <laughs> Hutch none. Uh, you know, Nada nicks, not a single point. Uh, so really, he, he's just trying to get his numbers up. Yes. Uh, Brad, remind me not to do the T-shirts and uh, let him do the T-shirts <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, never ling that one down, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure the numbers are much higher when you think about the ripple effect that you've had already out there in, in the world. Hopefully, yeah, yeah he's hoping. It, it yeah. Any final yeah. thoughts before we, we wrap up for today? Look, just uh, I was two things. I get out there and live your life, not someone else's. Uh, and secondly, jump onto cprfriendly.org and go and do the five-second training or the three-minute training or the 45-minute webinar. Um, most cardiac arrests will happen with, with friends and family. Um, that, that, you know, so if you've got the skills and the tools to save someone's life, um, it will mean everything for you and them. Yes, ditto. Call push shock. <laughs> I love it. Thank you both so much for taking the time to join us today. No worries, and Brad. Good to chat with you and thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, it's Brad. Been, it's been a pleasure. And thank you all for joining. We'll see you in the next episode of the Resilience Podcast. Do check out the links. They're in the show notes. Click and take action. Thanks, everyone.